Welcome to Pop to the Lou, where we share hilarious, embarrassing, heartbreaking, and inspiring stories of living life with IBD. This is purely for entertainment purposes. This is not medical, health, or even life advice, so do not take anything we say seriously. Welcome to episode 18 of Pop to the Lou. How are you doing, babe? I'm not going to say that I'm stressed at work again, because I think everyone, including myself, is bored of hearing about this now. <laughs> so I'm going to glance over that. <laughs> However, I was so ill on Monday. Were you? Yeah, and I can't work out. You know when you haven't been like ill ill for like quite a while it knocks you sideways doesn't it and it's really really weird I was really really stressed on Sunday really really stressed I don't know whether it's that that then as we all know who's listening it kind of it kind of comes out doesn't it it's either an instant thing or it kind of comes out in a delayed kind of capacity um but yeah I was really really ill Monday but I'd also I went went to play tennis I had this like really nice looking like green juice but I don't know whether it was the stress from Sunday or it could be both, or the really lovely looking, but maybe not IBD friendly green juice that I kind of wolfed down on, on Monday night. But yeah, I was super ill. Yeah. You know, when you can't move and then I couldn't breathe and I was on a tennis court. So that was pretty horrendous, pretty bad, but it was all right. I, I managed it. You know, I'm a, I'm a veteran at this. So this is my first radio, but yeah, I was super ill on Monday, but it's all cool. You know, Are you feeling better now? Dealt with it. Yeah, feeling much better. It was literally just a, you can't even call it an instant 24-hour flare, can you? Because it's not even that. It's It was just, yeah, my stomach was not happy with me Mondays. That hit me like a ton of bricks, but all good. Apart from that, Sarah, just rolling with it, really. How about you? My stomach's been a bit upset, especially this morning. Oh, my God. You know when you just like kind of have a cold, but not really? You can feel it in your sinuses. So I've had that, and I stupidly took some sinus medication without checking what it actually was. So I suspect that I fucked with my stomach a bit, but it helps my head. So, you know, you gotta, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> That's the problem um, sometimes with meds though, isn't it? Like yeah. some medications that you take for other like conditions or concerns, they really, really impact your tummy, don't they? I find that with antibiotics. Yeah, definitely. It's a real catch 22 sometimes. And remember I said, you know, during COVID I had to, I never take paracetamol, but I was, you know, like taking paracetamol loads, I was taking Lemsip and I was just so ill. <laughs> COVID was like chilling out, but my IBD was like, hello. <laughs> it's so true. But other than that, uh, the job's going well. I'm almost two weeks in. Honestly, my body, I'm not used to working in an office. I just have no energy. And last night after work, I went and got my hair done and she like cut my hair, blow dried it. It's more like cutting and stuff. And then she's like, oh, do you want me to put the wave in it? I was like, no, <laughs> I just want to go home to bed. So I, I need to leave it like this. on my newly yeah. done hair. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'll style it in the morning. I don't want to be here a second longer. So I'm pretty boring, to be honest. And it's so funny. One of my colleagues that started the same day as me, he had a dinner party last night of like 15 people. And I'm like, on a Wednesday? <laughs> How do you do it? Oh, my God. I mean, he's slightly younger than me, but only by like two. I was going to say, is he slightly younger? Because, you know, we used to have fun on Wednesday, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> Only by two years. He's just healthy. I, however, <laughs> am struggling. Uh, I'll be fine, though, as always. Should we tell everyone what today's episode is about? Yeah, absolutely. So in this week's episode, we've got the incredible Phoebe. So Phoebes is currently in that really, really frustrating time where she has got every symptom under the sun, which is driving her nuts. 
and she has done for years really I mean this is what we established in the episode we all know everyone listening with an IBC knows it's just a horrible horrible time so yeah we sat down with Phoebe, and she is just a really beautiful and positive soul she's always smiling if you start following her on Instagram, you'll love her updates. She's like an amazing photographer, complete opposite of me, basically. Really creative. Uh, so yeah, really hope you enjoy this awesome episode. Love you so much, Phoebs. Right, so Phoebs, we know each other from our Bristol Book Club. Which is, people, the book club that we've read two and a half books in what? Is it three years, Phoebes? Overachievers. I like it. Yeah, we have read no books, but this is the WhatsApp group that we basically have that we talk pretty much every day. There's a big group of us girls in Bristol. We talk about the most ridiculous of things, don't we? Yeah, I mean, the the most fitting book was the first one when we all got together. It was recommended was the Blood Orange book. And I just found out that week that my partner had been cheating on me for a year. And the book was about a girl who found out her partner was cheating and murdered her partner. So... I was like, this is a really fitting book for uh, circumstance. This is really helping. <laughs> nice to meet you all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's become like a community, hasn't it? To be fair, it's, I mean, it saved me in so many circumstances over over lockdown. Sorry. But Phoebs, you've had a bit of, before we get into kind of health stuff, you've <laughs> had a bit of a career change recently. Yes, I stopped my beloved posty job, which many people knew me for. <laughs> To, um, You're what, sorry? What kind of was, job? So I was a post lady for Raw Mail. Oh, okay, amazing. For about six years. And I stopped that in July and have pursued <laughs> learning to become a carpenter. So amazing. I'm about halfway through my carpentry course at the moment. Very exciting. And it's, uh, I mean, linking to the issues we're talking about today has been a huge stress relief and an area to concentrate on. And it's, it's done wonders for my brain. Was the change in career because of what you were experiencing health-wise? So when I, I caught COVID late last year and was unaware and ended up with quite a bad long COVID, and that was when they were discovering what long COVID was, if I had any other job, I would have been back to work. But because raw mail was so physical, I physically could not continue with the half marathon a day while I was recovering from long COVID. So I was on long-term sick leave for months, months and months. And it got to summertime and they tried to redeploy me, find a new job or something else I could do. And I was getting, I mean, if you imagine the stress of not working, being ill, not knowing what's wrong, my flare-ups were all-time high. I was gaining weight. I was in the end of a relationship and summertime, relationship was over I moved out of the house. I put my life in a storage unit. I came back to Bristol. I left Royal Mail. I packed up my car and I went for a drive around Europe to see my best friend and remind myself that life doesn't have to be constant stress and constant struggle to pursue something people tell you to pursue. <laughs> Absolutely. I think your Europe trip made you reconvene a bit, didn't it? Yeah, I think most of all it was time with, so my best friend lives out there, Susie, and uh, we have been through worlds, as I describe it. We have lived together in Bristol, we've lived together in France, we've got similar circles, we've experienced a lot of the same things, we've been through a lot of both good and bad things in our life together and been there for each other and she is just one of the most incredible grounded thoughtful kind people that every time I get to spend time with her again I remember who I am and I become me again I can say it was like a six-week therapy session of some of the best conversations 
I've ever had, conversations I didn't want to have, like you can imagine. <laughs> and by the time it got to the end of our trip and we were staying in the south of France, um, I was staying with her and her mum, where her mum lives, in near Carcassonne. I think I've said that wrong, but we'll move. <laughs> it sounded great to me, babe, so we'll roll with it. <laughs> when when I was staying there, I kind of got into this little bubble of, God, what am I going to do when I get back? What am I going to do? The stress started rising again, the panic of, I need to start thinking. And we had some great conversations about things that would fit me. And we talked about trades. And the next thing I know, I was signing myself up to an intensive carpentry course. But I think you will be amazing at that, though, Phoebe. You're really charismatic. And I think, like, to work in trade... You have to be charismatic. You do, don't you? As a female, I think so nowadays as we're breaking the norm and a lot of the female tradespeople I know, you've got to stand out. Otherwise, you don't get hired. You don't get placed. You don't get the jobs that people recommend each other and the people, you know. I think breaking into that male-dominated industry. I've heard with you, Sarah, about being in the tech industry, which is quite male-dominated, that you've had to... A little bit, yeah. (laughs) Just a switch, right? (laughs) Yeah. So you've broken the mold by stepping into that and being who you are in that yeah environment. So I think you've got to yeah you've got to have character to do it. I know you said it before, sir. I think when you have reactions like that, though, I think I well I'm the same as you girls. I kind of go the other way. I try I make a point of making a point if that makes sense. Right. I know that we could talk for ages about absolutely everything, but we obviously do realise that this is a podcast about <laughs> gut health. <laughs> Not that me and Sarah talk much about it ever. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. So, Phoebes, you're at a really frustrating stage, I would say, because you're at that stage where you've got, I mean, I'll let you obviously tell your story, but you've got loads of symptoms going on and you're kind of, you haven't been diagnosed as such yet, have you? No, the last phone call I had was, we believe you've got IBS and IBD. We'll follow up with a dietitian and another gastroenterology appointment. And then COVID hit harder than ever. I broke up with my ex-partner and my surgery was registered to that house and radio silence. And then when it comes to chasing, it's like, oh, we've discharged you. You're going to have to go through the process again. Chasing people who no longer work in that area. And I don't know about for you guys, if you remember the process for you, but when you go into sort of a calm period where symptoms have subsided or you've got a hold on one part of your body and the rest of your life is whirlwinding a little bit, you kind of focus on just getting through this bit getting through the next bit getting and next thing you know months have passed you've not chased anyone you've not heard anything and it's like well I've just about maintained this symptom for this long just about maintained this I should prioritize it more chasing it further but when you get a grips after so many years of feeling like this it's your new normal and it's quite hard to remind yourself that it's not okay to feel like that all the time it's not standard (laughs) and you don't have to feel like that how long have you had the symptoms because you said did you say a couple years 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 I had no idea that what I was going through wasn't normal because it wasn't something discussed and I remember going to a doctor's in regards to bowel movements and regularity and blood in stools and things like that and just assuming it was stress induced or I remember once being at a doctor's and sort of talking about bowel movements and having four by 7am and being like and him looking at me like panicked and I was like is that is that not normal I thought that's just what happened in the morning like I've been a vegetarian my whole life thinking that was normality and it just something that I wasn't educated on wasn't discussed I was always told you know bloating happens but not understanding that bloating like three dress sizes in a day was not normal um and pain threshold was always very high I didn't understand that the pain I was experiencing daily and the cramps weren't 
something that everything everyone else went through. It was one of those things that I very much just shut up and dealt with and didn't understand it wasn't okay. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a really long time. So they diagnosed you with IBD, but did they say Crohn's or colitis? The last communication that we had on the phone was a gastroenterologist. Say, so I'd been through endoscopies, MRIs, scans, biopsies. And he was like, we believe you've got IBS and IBD, but we need to delve in like what information you're working with and we'll follow you up with a dietitian to help you in the meantime but we'll have to book in more appointments and then literally a week later was when I went through the breakup and the moving out of the house and I don't know if communication was lost or letters were lost or anything and I just was in a like a yeah a role of trying to get by I was just sort of keeping my head above water um and when I tried to recently chase up with the doctors in regards to okay can we get more appointments in understand if there's help, like a bit more of a diagnosis, understand what I can help my body with. And they went on the system, were like, oh, you didn't respond to a letter. So we've discharged you. Well, you'll have to reconnect with the gastroenterologist. And so what kind of symptoms do you have at the moment? Have they just been consistent or because Cass said you're having problems eating as well, like a lot of issues with solid foods? Yeah. So um, the I've got like a constant it's the cramps the bloating I get skin flare-ups and I'm currently this is the red cheeks that we're enjoying today (laughs) um to the level of almost like head to toe hives and swelling and bloating insane fatigue discomfort uh you know bowel urgency and things like that that disrupt throughout the day to be fair Cass has always advised me to journal it (laughs) and I just about get by remembering well she advised me recently, I think from you, was the Huel drinks. Yeah. Did you like them? Yes. Yeah, so I am two and a half weeks, three weeks into having them daily and wow, it has okay. wonders. So Cass explained to me the giving your body a break from digesting. I trialed that straight away and I got the Huel drinks instantly when she sent me the link and I have them in the morning. I take them to my course, which uh, is out in Wales. So I commute in the morning and I have my Huel drink and I have my lovely bottle of water. (laughs) Um, I can just about manage a piece of fruit and then I have, if I can handle it, a solid meal in the evening and it has done wonders. It has done symptoms on calmness, on my sleep, on digestion pains and bloating. It's not cured them, but it's definitely reduced the day-to-day chaos feeling. It's so yeah. true though, isn't it? Kind of like disclaimer-wise, obviously for whatever everyone out there, when Phoebes was just talking about kind of giving your digestive system a break, Phoebes and I had had a conversation between us kind of as friends that... I, I'm a big believer in giving my gut a break when I'm feeling very unwell because that works for me. So obviously always go to your doctor if you're, you're ever thinking of trying these things because obviously everyone reacts differently to these sort of kind of nutrition changes and nutrition plans. And we're not, we're not by any means, you know, um, encouraging everyone to do this. It's just something that can work when you're in a lot of pain and, and you're unable to carry on as such um, because your body just cannot digest solid food. Just, you know, sometimes we just need to give our, our kind of digestive system at break and like you just said sometimes it does it's by no means a cure we never talk about cures on the show it's all about reducing those symptoms isn't it reducing those symptoms managing that pain and being able to do what you want to do in your day and like you said like improving your sleep which has a great impact on the next day you know being able to do your course being able to commute to your course being able to I know you've had recently your exams you know and, and you're like carpentry is a really really like hefty trade to learn so actually you know being able to manage these symptoms is really important for you to be able to do your next kind of venture isn't it um so that's why we we kind of discussed don't we like 
trial and, and error and testing new things because they they can work for some and can't for others they can be quite detrimental to others but yeah sir you kindly sent me those links for the heel drinks didn't you how did you know about those yeah. heel drinks sir so funny enough my old boss was drinking them so heel is a meal replacement but it's a complete meal replacement and it has calories in it because a lot of meal replacers and like protein shakes are quite low in calories. So you're not actually getting any kind of, well, you're getting some nutrition, but not a whole meal where Huel is based off of giving you a complete meal, but it's all liquid. So easier on your digestive system. But yeah, so a couple, my old boss and a couple colleagues in my office were drinking them and he did recommend it to me at the time when I was getting sick. He was like, why don't you try this? But I never actually ended up doing it. I think it had at the time they didn't have a gluten-free version and it was made mainly with oats. I think it still might be oat-based, but they now do gluten-free oats. But yeah, I was told to stay away from oats because of whatever my personal issues and whatnot. Issues, condition, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever we're calling it. I do have issues. So <laughs> That's another issues. podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll okay. come back to that. So I've never actually tried it. And I did see that they do gluten-free and like celiac approved now. So I am quite keen to actually try it myself. One thing I will say though, just a tip when it comes to, cause you mentioned you do fruit as well. I was recommended when I was in a flare and like not eating much to always cook fruit. So peel it if possible. Avoid any seeds. So avoid like strawberries, raspberries, any kind of fruit that has seeds in it. I know they're super tiny, but they can obviously, if your gut's inflamed and really sensitive, like an apple, for instance, if you can peel that, get rid of all the fiber from that and then cook the rest of it or poach pears, anything like that. It's a lot easier to digest for you and you don't have to eat it. I mean, it's good if you can eat it warm, but just cooking it. About 90% of fruit I'm really struggling with. I am. I had, well, <laughs> the joy of it. Christmas dinner. Don't ask why I had applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, feeds. <laughs> Rookie mistake. <laughs> and the flare up I had was like, just, yeah. When I say flare ups for me, it's not a dire need for the toilet. Mine have now become like skin, heat, like this sensation to need to pass out. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, the only thing that I had on my plate that was not something that was my beige meal <laughs> um, was applesauce and the agony. So the one thing that I've established I can eat, and I think it might be an anomaly for most people, is kiwi. Amazing. If I have peppermint tea, my huel, and a kiwi, I feel like okay. on top of the world. <laughs> that's so good that's the thing they feeds isn't it like I know you were laughing at my journaling however (laughs) (laughs) this is why journaling is so good Sarah and I can eat totally different things we we laugh about it you know we've traveled together so we laugh like Sarah will look at what I'm eating and she'll be like oh my god how are you not ill after this and vice versa it's really really important like none of us are the same and our bodies and minds aren't the same are they so literally some drinks and some foods I'm absolutely fine with but could make you flare and it's like the journal that's why I'm such a journal like fiend is it it helps you remember and also feeds with journaling it's just it's not just the food for me I really notice if I'm in pain for any reason I've noticed um, journaling enables me to link the stress factors as well okay Cash you're right Going back to not not talking about it, but I know you and I, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you and I have spoken about how, uh, you know, when you'd listen to the podcast, you said, oh, my God, like, I didn't realize that these things weren't everyday occurrences of 
every single person on the planet we're big believers in like being your own advocate or you know if you don't feel that confident around clinicians or doctors whatever to have someone with you have you found that it has been difficult over the last few years because you haven't really had that platform to talk about it I definitely found the podcast really helped the ease of it I have two very good friends Natalie and Rach who we often joke about IBS and IVD and flare-ups and funny stories which it always makes me feel more normal but um I think especially my family are incredibly healthy epitome of health and none of them have any allergies or intolerances or issues with anything (laughs) (laughs) but not only that I think majority of the time I'm always seen as like a bubbly, happy, healthy person, whether it be skin tone from heritage, whether it be what I'm doing or the fact that it doesn't stop me from traveling, working, doing whatever. I think confidence is there in regards to, okay, I need the loo. I'm going to go to the loo. Whereas a lot of people are like, I can't go out in case there's no toilet. This sort of thing. I Confidence wise, it doesn't fear me anymore. I think I've become my own person and very confident in that. But I remember going to the doctors repeatedly. And this has happened to several several things in my life, including a cancer scare, where they're like, no, you look fine, or you seem fine, or this is... And it's like, I, just screaming at them, like, I know my body, I don't feel well. And that has been with the long COVID, with a cancer scare, with stomach issues. It has been forcibly chasing people down because I don't fit the stereotype of sick. And I think that constant hush-hush of yeah yeah but you seem fine or it hasn't stopped you doing this or it doesn't sound that bad or you know all the things that we get told when someone can't relate or doesn't understand people often think that you can't be that ill or you can't be that in pain or uh, like another thing that I've always questioned in regards to the diagnosis is a lot of people with IBD struggle to keep weight on I've always found the opposite when I'm in my flare-up I gain weight like never before like I'm talking drastic measures of fluctuation in weight of like 30 to 40 kilos between like regression and flare-ups and because it's not the norm cycle everyone's like oh well you can't be that bad or maybe it's not this or when everything on paper fits the mold (laughs) and every time you speak to someone they kind of be like oh I'm sure it's this or that or you'll be fine or you don't seem that bad you kind of just shut up yeah it's actually dangerous I always call it dangerous practice you know when you assume because someone's got certain symptoms they haven't got an illness or they do have an illness and vice versa it's it's such dangerous practice because it's that um, way of thinking that's never challenged and I I really really struggle with that kind of thought process because people will always present in a different way Phoebes and you know we we all on this call all work and we all travel loads and we're all really active and we're all all three of us are really bubbly people and can present in a certain way but that doesn't mean anything just because something's kind of hidden um this is the way that we kind of carry on I don't really like the term carry on but you know what I mean like we do we really enjoy working we really enjoy socializing we love to travel so those things are really important to us so so they are a priority of ours within our day to kind of do and they kind of fulfill us and they give us that purpose and definitely for me all of my stuff makes me feel so much better and I think if I couldn't work I would spiral very very badly if I couldn't travel if I couldn't play sport I would be very very I think psychologically unwell um, which obviously would probably impact my physical health and I think it's really dangerous when people look at someone and they think well you know she's gotten out of bed she can go to work she can still do this 
it can't be that. And like you said, with the weight thing, Sarah and I talk about this at length. People are so judgmental with weight and, and whether people have put on weight or have lost lots of weight, people are so judgmental and they haven't got a clue as to why that individual has fluctuated so largely, but really quite spitefully judgmental. From the research that I've been looking at on Crohn's and colitis, it's actually more common. It's quite common in Crohn's disease to lose weight, but not so much in ulcerative colitis. And I think because everybody groups it to, they expect to see that because you hear about everybody with Crohn's losing weight and so on. But the disease is very so much. And like I, I did at points when I was incredibly sick, lose a lot of weight very quickly. But for the most part, when I'm in a flare, like my weight doesn't drop that much. And I don't lose a drastic amount. Whereas Cass has had different experiences. It was only when I was at the point where it's like, okay, nothing is staying in my body and like fluid, nothing was there. I dropped really quickly, but for the most part, my weight wasn't, and they weighed you like every time you go to the doctor and so on. And they were even like, oh, it hasn't really changed. So yeah, you're not alone on that one. I, I totally see what you mean in regards to like when you've dropped weight dramatically, when you're in a flare up, I had one of the breakups I spoke about. Um, I dealt with it horrendously stress management wise and I just couldn't hold food for days it turned into weeks and my body weight dropped like 30 40 kilos in six weeks it was I was like but because I'm, I'm really tall and I'm quite proportionate when I gain weight and lose weight, people just see like glowy and kind of overweight. <laughs> There's like, and the I just remember this constant, especially for my family who are all tiny, this like, oh, you look great. You've changed. You've lost loads of weight. And I'm like, I'm dead inside <laughs> because I've lost weight or whatever. It doesn't mean health. Kind of doing this was to just get people, hopefully to start just maybe thinking about what they say to people face to face, because we know people say the most obscure things to your face and actually like I've heard some stuff that people have said behind my back and then my friends tell me because they tell me everything and they're really horrible comments so again to just maybe just to get people to think like it's not nice calling someone anorexic because they've lost so much weight even behind their back when they might not hear it it's a really vicious thing to say when they're chronically unwell and hopefully to just get people to just not be as judgmental because you just don't know what someone's going through and like you said Phoebe, I'm the same as you like if I'm really really stressed I, I I don't have an appetite and I know some people are the opposite um but I just gen- genuinely don't have an appetite when I'm really really stressed so I could lose quite a lot of weight when I'm stressed and actually if you've gone through a really traumatic thing like I know you did with your breakup that's a really shit thing to be going through. You don't need people, uh, you know, commenting on that, do you? Like how you're looking. Well, this was the thing as well. Is like, so because I had no understanding of what was going on with my body, I've spent years with, admittedly, I'm admitting now at this age, a really unhealthy relationship with food, um, especially beige food. We've now understood why. <laughs> a lot of the time I, I turn to food. So when I'm feeling low or whatever be the case it'd be food and what I didn't establish that what I was doing was this binge eating to almost form like a food coma because of how my body was reacting I had no understanding of that so I was eating for the sensation to make me fall asleep Mm. so I was like binge eating beige to get this like well essentially now I understand was my body struggling to digest and like this almost pass out sensation of wanting to go to sleep, wanting to lie down, struggling to digest, you know, like it got to the point when I spoke to you recently that even processing a lot of water was like hurting. I was getting flare up and bloating from having a pint of water during the day. And it got to this point where I started to slowly understand that like this relationship with food and my size and my stomach are all interlinked, but I'd been 
abusing one to help the other abusing the other to help the other it's it's since listening to you guys and having these communications and conversations that are open with you and understanding a bit more about myself a bit more about IBD community I slowly but surely feel like stress is reducing and that I can talk to you instead of having a flare up and a binge and I can pick your brain about different types of tea that help you (laughs) (laughs) we love tea Although I cannot handle green tea like you can, I do love peppermint tea. Have you tried fennel tea? Fennel tea is really good. I love it. And and chamomile. I do really enjoy chamomile, which those ones, yeah, all of them together, safe ones. Green, I just can't. I can't face green. But again, it's it's what works for you. It's like anything, isn't it? What are you going to eat? It's a bit, a bit, you can apply it to anything though, isn't it? Like it, I always say to people from like my fitness background, people always talk to me about fitness and they always say, oh, Cass, I'm, I'm going to go... I'm going to start going to the gym. I said, would you like the gym? Well, I hate the gym. I said, what are you going for then? And then they say, well, I want to get fit. I said, I won't go to the gym if you want to get fit and you hate the gym. Okay, what should I do? I said, well, do you you enjoy tennis? Yeah, I love tennis. I used to play it as a kid, ham for ages. would love to get back into it. I said, start to play tennis again. Okay, I didn't think of it like that. And it's it's the same with food, isn't it? Actually, we know that there's loads of groups of foods and loads of types of foods that are really good for us. But actually, one, if you don't like them, and two, if they make you feel really ill, what's the point in eating them? So brought up as a vegetarian, well, pescatarian from a young age than vegetarian, I was brought up to eat raw veg and have a varied diet and make sure your protein was balanced. Little did I know the entire time that I could not process it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I spent years thinking that how my body was reacting was normal because mm. to my parents and my brother and people I surrounded myself with, they were the epitome of health eating the same diet as me. And I got to a point where if you listed what I ate and what I did and how active I was, I shouldn't be this size and the size that I was starting to understand like you know I'd I'd drop weight and I'd have skinny wrists and skinny ankles and you'd see definition of my legs and I just have this like bloat barrel I call it where it was just inflammation that like squared me out (laughs) bloat barrel (laughs) but it was not understanding the food that worked for me that I'm only just adjusting to now. What would you say, Phoebe, this year? I know it's a, it's a difficult one at the moment because you're struggling with solid food. But when you when your stomach's a little bit more settled, what foods do you find as a vegetarian? Because that's really difficult. I think when you're trying to process quite a lot of fiber and things like that. I don't think I'm at a stage to say that safely because I think since these Huel drinks is the most consistent and stable my body's been for like the last three weeks I've had to cut out a huge amount of fruit sugar and artificial sugar and um what else was the other? oh yeah I'm full-blown allergic to garlic now if you can imagine the world without garlic <laughs> and I had a friend not long ago who had been eating garlic and I visited him and he gave me a kiss on the cheek and I legitimately had a rash on my cheek oh wow oh, it's a proper yeah. allergy yeah, and I used to eat garlic maybe two, three times a day. <laughs> it was it was a huge part of my diet. And I was a chef for a few years. I absolutely love cooking. That's a really difficult thing to actually have to cut out. I'd be gutted if I had to cut out garlic. Yeah, and I, I can't. Yeah, so like all the things that I grew up understanding were healthy. So I used to love raw veg. So I'd make like green salads and loads of like veg stir fries and all these sort of things. That, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, you can't process raw greens. And oh, you can't have these veg. And and all of a sudden I'm like, what can I eat? Mm. <laughs> Especially as a vegetarian, so many supplements are soy based, wheat based. Look at any ingredients for anything vegetarian. There is garlic and onion powder in everything. So at the moment, safe bet, potatoes. <laughs> Always potatoes, baby. Um, yeah. And then I just keep my fluids up. 
worst comes to worst, I do electrolyte drinks with peppermint, molten salt flakes, and a dash of honey. Oh, wow. I'll do that over a litre. If those days where I just, prior to these heel drinks, if I couldn't get food down or was constantly really sick and weak, I'd do pints of water with a cold peppermint tea bag in and let it sit. And I do a pinch of salt and a bit of like half a teaspoon of honey and mix it in. And then I'd at least, my body didn't like mentally shut down or physically shut down. And I could do it for a few days and slowly reintroduce beige food, (laughs) our favorite. It would fluctuate, but I'd lose track of it and start focusing on other things. And I'd start to ignore symptoms and ignore well-being to get the job done or get the travel done or to do whatever I needed to do at the time. You also hit the nail on the head as well, Phoebs, because it's really important for everyone to remember hydration when you're feeling unwell, which I think, again, can be really, really we're just forgotten about it's not a conscious thing again and especially when you're doing like liquid supplements we we all forget as human beings how much water and hydration we get from our solid food I think people just don't think of it like that so it's so so important to make sure that you're hydrating yourself as well yeah Sarah how do you find it with work if you're behind like screens and sat down all day do you have to like load up on liters of water around you or do you consciously remember to go and sort of hydrate and step away from a screen (laughs) I have it addiction um, to having multiple drinks at once. So I always have at least three drinks at a time. I always, always have water and tea and then usually coffee to keep me alive because I struggle through the days. But I find, I find once I get dehydrated, I don't crave water, but once I'm hydrated, like I just crave more and more water. Like I just need it constantly, which is a good thing. But yeah, I find it so easy. I try and like tell everyone we're just emotional cucumbers. Because we are just so much water with emotions. And just if you keep topped up, you'll be like a happy cucumber. So it's so true though. (laughs) It is so true. Boobs, how do you get your protein then? Because I always find this fascinating with people with stomach issues. Because I can't ever adopt a vegetarian or vegan diet when I want to, because I can't eat beans or legumes or anything because they make me so ill. Honestly. I wouldn't be able to answer that because I have no idea how much protein I get in. So I genuinely, it used to be such like a balanced diet and I'd have my vegetarian supplements or sprouted beans and things like that. And since I tried to take care of what, like try and aid my digestion as opposed to ignore it, (laughs) I cut a huge amount of it out, but I haven't felt that it's diminished sort of brain power or strength or anything like that. So whether it's the Huel drinks or I still eat bits of like, you know, cheese and chickpea and things like that if I can, but um, I haven't been hugely focused on trying to get certain levels of protein, certain levels, as long as I'm hydrated and I'm not better brain without any nutrients, I'm kind of like, today's a good day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you get to that stage, don't you? And then in the nicest possible way, when you feel that ill, you don't worry about nutrients as such. You worry about getting through the day, don't you? Like Sarah always calls it focusing on the 24 hours because it's true, actually. There's no point in thinking about tomorrow. There's no point in thinking about what you can and can't eat. It's like how you are going to feel in the next hour. That's But that's why, you know, just before this phone call, we were talking about um, about saying no to events and things going out. I, I stopped planning things because these flare-ups were so inconsistent and if I got stressed they'd come up and you know friends want to go out and grab dinner food was like a passion and is but at the moment it's had to take sort of a step back in regards to how it reacts with me and I'll be out I went went on a date a little while ago (laughs) and uh someone who I haven't seen in ages reconnected with went on a date and the food came out and I went for the most basic thing on the menu because I was feeling a bit hanging and was like oh I'll just have this and as I took a bite into it it had been fried in garlic butter 
Oh no! I was just sat there like, how difficult are you going to be in this moment? <laughs> no. And that's so important. stressful because you're just you're already anxious, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I know that my face goes this red <laughs> and I'm sat there thinking oh. I've printed, I've eaten something I'm allergic to. How do you deal with this? <laughs> like, Were I, you okay? Oh no. <laughs> I've got loads of those little laughable points. We just laugh it off. How do you handle dating at this point? Do you disclose that you are a bit ill at the moment and you're not sure what's going on? Um, <laughs> if I'm really honest at the moment, I've like stepped out of it. I Yeah, um, sister. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> Admittedly, my libido has died since I've been ill. So I just don't have any interest in, you know, at the moment I'm learning, I'm focusing on friends, I'm focusing on my health. I've had, yeah, some lovely experiences with people have turned out to be a pain in my ass. <laughs> so I, um, I just stepped out. It's been a perfect time to take a step back, focus on me. But dating's never been an issue in regards to my stomach. I think I will openly say like, oh, I'm having a bit of day or I'm a bit uncomfortable or I'll you know keep an open communication in regards to not doing things that I know will stress me out or flare me up but it's never been an issue before in regards to dating certainly not seeking out a new relationship anytime soon so it's quite we can go on dates together instead we'll have a much better time (laughs) so healthy and like you said Biebs like choosing like when you do start dating again choosing different ways of dating is really important isn't it because again it's it's tweaking your lifestyle not stopping your lifestyle yeah things that you're comfortable with I think the main key is being like confidently comfortable so whatever you're doing it's like you're still in your safe zone wherever that may be if it's an activity if it's food if it's drinks if you like that environment do the thing that makes you feel comfortable and settled I mean that doesn't mean don't don't ever step outside your comfort zone please do <laughs> widen your comfort zone don't completely leap out of it <laughs> yeah but you but the thing is Phoebes, I know I know you obviously in relation to that and you step out of your comfort zone all the time if you think about everything you've done recently in relation to traveling and starting a new career you've you have like parachuted is that a word out of your comfort zone I think what you're saying is, and what Sarah and I say is actually know yourself and actually if one day there's absolutely no way that you can do that in the usual way that you do it you just make a little tweak to it yeah so I I was ignoring it for a long time and then I got to a point where I was like so it came to the end of a relationship and one of the comments that really stuck in my head was like you don't push yourself anymore and I had got so into my head that I was just desperate for comfort because I was going through long COVID stomach flare-ups illness things like this that I was just desperately grasping for comfort and safety that I had just got to a point where I was just saying no to everything I didn't want to do that I didn't want to go do this I didn't like I wanted to hide little cocoon and hope that I didn't have to do anything ever again (laughs) and uh, when things changed over the summer I decided to become a yes girl to an extent and anything that was suggested or go and do this try this I was like yeah I'm gonna do it I can do everything that scares me everything that makes me anxious and essentially try and double triple tenfold my comfort zone but in my way so I didn't have to try thousands of foods and put myself in stressful situations I decided to you know pack up my life travel take my 20 year old four by four that breaks down every time it goes on a motorway and (laughs) (laughs) and learn things that like well toxic independency (laughs) 
<laughs> this person I went on a date with was like, is there anything you can't do? And I was like, darling. But <laughs> <laughs> I spent years thinking that I hated change, but it turns out I, I thrive in it. So I think it's important to keep yourself alive by testing yourself, but do it in a way that, you know, you feel safe in yourself to do it. I like the toxic independent feeds. Yeah, toxic independency. I want to be able to do everything myself. When my car breaks down, I'm able to fix it. When I can't find something, I'm able to make something that does the job. But like, I have to be able to do everything and help myself in every way because I spent years putting my, I don't know, my understanding of safety in others and places. And so when they left, I was like, oh, I've got nothing. And it's like, end of the day, you realize all of that safety and all of that like competency and, you know, the things that make you feel good and comfortable and safe are in yourself. And you've got to really find a way to remind yourself and reassure yourself that you can do all these things and you can push yourself. And if you can't get it first try, it's there's a second try. There's a third try. There's people you can ask for help. There's areas you can go and learn what you want to do. Like it's not the end of the world. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's learning that. It's been very important in the last few months for me. You sound like you've done lots of reflection, Phoebs. Yeah, self-awareness. <laughs> Who'd have thought? <laughs> but you you really do. You sound like you've really reflected and are kind of like making loads of changes, but on your terms. I know I need to push myself because I'm not ready for others to push me. So it's self-criticism over other people's opinions defining who I am. So there's so many people who tell you you're not enough of this or you're not like this or why didn't you try this? But at the end of the day, you stop listening to what you want to do and what you want to grow on and who you want to be and you start doing things for others I think I I heard something the other day about how women are brought up to be good mothers be good sisters be good friends be good wives and they never talk about being good for yourself and for what you want to do and what you want to feel and what you want to see and experience and teach others and learn from others and I think yeah you've really got to especially when you're in a place I, I can't speak for everyone but when you get ill and you feel like you're not comfortable or safe or well in your own body you need to make sure your mind is it a happy place or really try to and uh yeah if you haven't got the circle around you you've got to create it yourself but it's a bonus if you've got obviously incredible friends like I'm grateful for <laughs> who pull me out of little depression pits to go and catch sunrises and do wonderful things. Well, we spoke about that before we started recording, didn't we, Phoebs, about the importance of, I think as you get older, like we speak about this so much, you you are really picky about who you spend time with and who you invest with. And it's it's just so important, isn't it? I just get so much more confident as I get older. Like I don't, I'm not going to be surrounded by people I don't want near me because it's the energy, isn't it? I'm really yeah. I'm quite an intuitive person. And I think I feel energy like as soon as, even from a text or anything. And I've really noticed that growing up. And I just want really, really good people with good energy around me because I think that really contributes to our own kind of stress levels and stuff isn't it you can really be impacted by people in your life quite early on I learned to be like no I'm not interested or that doesn't serve me or that doesn't feel great or whatever be the case and it was a constant fight around what people sort of like well why don't you do this and what stops you from doing this and like you said about the gym if you hate it why are you going that's the whole that totally defeats the object of going (laughs) if it's supposed to be a place to create mental strength body strength some like endorphin release not stress you out make you paranoid make you insecure all of these things so yeah learning to be unapologetically yourself is an absolute blessing I urge everyone to do the inner work (laughs) 100% Uh, Phoebs I read a really cool article this morning I'll send it to you girls actually it's from Jennifer Aniston who I adore anyway I just think she's an amazing human being because I know her so well (laughs) great friends I see her every Sunday (laughs) 
Um, but she she was being interviewed and, and, you know, she's I think she's early 50s now. I mean, she doesn't look it. She said still to this day, people are more interested in asking her why she hasn't had children as opposed oh. to talking about her really cool career and all the other things that she has going on in her life. Yeah. And she said people are still obsessed with why has she not had children? And she was really she was really lovely in this interview. She actually said, and I haven't heard her say this before. Because usually she's quite like, not sarcastic, but she's very philosophical, isn't she? Okay, because I know her so well. (laughs) But she said, actually, none of you know why I've not had children. It could, she says something like, it could be medical. You, you know and she said something like that and it's so true isn't it actually again it goes back to that judgment isn't it someone's not essentially confer- conforming to what society expects of us at a certain age when we're a certain gender etc 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 you get questioned as opposed to looked at in a positive way they, they they highlight the part of you that has not fit to their criteria like I call it the pedestal perception of the pedestal that they put you on and what they expect of you and it's like luckily I've got a wonderful group of friends that all don't want kids <laughs> and we I will love just... them <laughs> I'll join the crew I mean I have kids I'm great with kids I've worked with kids I still don't want them and I this is something I've said from yeah teenage it's just not for me I think and I was like I totally respect other people and I'll be a part of their lives I'll probably be a godparent one day I'm already an auntie all of these things but choosing for myself to not go through it should be fine once you get used to not caring about their opinion it becomes so much easier there's a really good saying or something I read somewhere that said never take advice from somebody that you wouldn't want to trade places with and I live by that like if anybody's giving me any kind of advice and like relationship life career and I'm like do I want to like do I want your life and I'm like if you have an unhealthy relationship (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> you find that you find also as you start to gain success in different areas people will try to like tear you down or give you advice and tell you how to do things some people have done incredible things I'm like yes tell me how you did that tell me how you built this business or found success in one way or another I'm like yeah I want to absorb that but other people <laughs> I'm like yeah no no <laughs> so that's my way of filtering advice from anybody or anyone's opinion I'm like do I want to trade places with you would I want your life right now I love that I love I love that. I've had a situation similar in regards to someone who loved to tell me how to live life, whether it be diet, exercise, jobs, what you're chasing. And the response was, um, what so I could be like you? And it was just this like, oh yeah, no, that's not the direction I was chasing. Yeah, no, now I'm gonna carry on way. <laughs> so true though, isn't it? Yeah, I think sometimes it's their way of justifying their decisions. Like they're basing everything off of their small world because we all have such different experiences and every experience you have forms some kind of bias that you're going to then make your future decisions off of. I found that, I don't know if you've had the same experience being vegetarian for so long, but I found that a lot with veganism. And when I was vegan for like eight years, everybody was trying to justify why I should eat meat. And I'm like, it does not impact you if I'm eating meat or not. But then I caught on like, they're trying to justify their reasoning for eating meat. And I'm like, this is nothing to do with me whatsoever. This is you fighting your own battle in your own head. I'm like, I don't care if you eat meat, go right ahead. But I'd get these long lectures and I'm like, what What are you doing? And it's, it's when you uh, turn around and was like, well, before I told you, did you think I was a vegetarian? Did you think yeah. I was vegan? So just because I've told you, <laughs> you've now got input and advice and every reason under the sun to do so. But prior to this, did you think that I was iron deficient and protein deficient and all the things that you've sent me? <laughs> so true. Yeah. <laughs> and I, do I look like a 
vegetarian. And they're like, well, no. So this perception in your head of what vegetarianism is, is something you've created. And like you said, Sarah, they're just convincing themselves their own reasoning. I've spent my whole, because my whole life to be vegetarian. I used to be the weird kid at school with like carrot and hummus. And now oh, like, I love <laughs> carrots and hummus though. I miss eating carrots and hummus. <laughs> but it's one of these things that, you know, I, I wasn't preaching at you to change your diet. So why has the role reversed? It's the same thing with kids. You're not going around to moms being like, you shouldn't have kids. So chill the fuck out if I don't want to have them. So I'm, I'm the same as you, Phoebe. I absolutely adore children. Like I, you know, I've got lots of godchildren and I do find it even funnier though, because people... When you don't have children, people assume you hate children or are bad with children. So yes. it's really funny. I've had some really weird comments when people see me with children and they kind of say, oh, you do? You do like children then, Cass? Or aren't you natural with them? And I kind of think, I don't even know what to do with those comments. Like, I love kids. I adore children. I love spending time with children. I like giving them back. <laughs> couple of hours tops and I'm just very honest with my friends I've got quite a lot of friends who have asked me to go on holidays with them before with their children and I I probably have said no a little bit too quickly no (laughs) absolutely absolutely fucking not not. yeah (laughs) but you know I'm just very honest can't think of anything worse if I'm honest I it's it's just not for me but you know it is funny to to see people's reactions when they they can see that you're very natural with children they just find it even even more peculiar your your decision making of not wanting them people who want kids and have kids and I'm here to support you if you're having a hard time with them but I choose at the end of the day to do things for me and not have to spend the rest of my life focusing on another human being that I fear I will destroy (laughs) okay for the record I don't think you would destroy it but (laughs) I understand what you're saying the comment I'm getting at the moment so about I don't know about five years ago I kept getting there from my girl mates who've got kids aren't you worried about your biological clock? Which at first I always found funny and then in the end it was just getting on my tits. So I was quite sarcastic back, you know, just saying, no, I'm not worried. I've booked another holiday, so just go fuck yourself. But the, the one I'm getting now, which I find so weird, is aren't you worried about being lonely? No. I have so many friends and have so many interests and it's not like I'm going to retire at 50. Come on now. Anyone that knows me knows that I'm going to be doing stuff until I'm in a nursing home. Do you know what I mean? And then probably running the nursing home when I live there. I I'm not going to be lonely, but I find it such a weird thing. Aren't you worried about who's going to look after you? No. Yeah, I don't have an urge to, you know, spread my genetics. As soon as you said spread, I was like, where is this going? <laughs> yes, Sarah's always thinking of the editing. And I can just imagine my mom at home listening to the podcast because she listens to every episode and she's just waiting for my opinion. She's like, I want a goddamn grandchild. She better not say she's not having kids. I want grandchildren. Yeah, <laughs> my I have my no mom's comment. very devastated that I've Sorry. never wanted children. I am so neutral at this point. I feel like I have days when I look at kids and I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> That is so much work. I don't know how people do it. And then I see like an adorable baby or toddler, like some kind of kid doing something amazing. And I'm like, oh, I could have a child genius though. What kind of things do they do that's amazing, Sarah? Well, sometimes when they're dressed really cute, I'm like, oh, I I can dress them up. (laughs) I know I have no desire to actually be pregnant. So I'll have to sort of surrogate and night nurse and nanny and chef and maid. And then. Sounds like you're going to be really (laughs) hands-on. I mean, I'd obviously be around. I feel like I'm waiting for that urge to be like, okay, yeah, I want one. I'm ready, which I haven't had yet. And I know some people have that their whole life. When I was really young, I thought I wanted children like because I thought that's what you grew up to do. And then I realized, wait a minute, I don't 
like any of these society norms. I don't want to follow them. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. And here I am. So, (laughs) (laughs) and we love you, sir, for it. But do you think that maybe the the IBD stuff that we're going through might be a reflection on it? Because when you deal with pain and exhaustion and battling through the things that you're trying to do day to day, the thought of having a tiny little human that needs your care at all times is like in my head a massive obligation not just to normal society but for someone who struggles to maintain energy levels health levels concentration mood levels I'm struggling to be just the woman I am let alone having to take on a new responsibility of caring for a child being someone's number one support system like that to me I think has been a put off I think the when because I obviously have had my Crohn's since really really young as you know, I think the impact my periods used to have on my Crohn's wow, was one yeah. of the initial things I always had in my head. Um, and I, I remember, this is a long time ago now, I remember thinking when I was a teenager, Jesus Christ, if my periods do this to my Crohn's pain, I can't imagine ever being pregnant. And I think that may have been a start of where my mentality was in relation to being pregnant going through childbirth um, and things like that. Yeah, I think that was definitely one of the initial maybe reasons or thought processes I had in relation to ever being pregnant and maybe why I've never had a desire to be pregnant um, because one, I didn't know whether my body, and oh my goodness, loads of people have children who have got Crohn's disease and colitis and other health conditions. So, you know, this is just a personal thought process, but I didn't know whether I would manage it for example no um, opinions on it whatsoever for anyone else this is just my own thought process when I was younger I know I joke about the nanny the surrogate the night nurse but (laughs) my god I I would need it like I would actually I can barely take care of myself I can barely make it through a day without eight shots of coffee and a nap so I'm like, how do you take care of a child? And that's sleeping like at least nine to 12 hours. So I'm like, where do you fit in a child to like actually take care of them? My body can't at the moment cope without that intense sleep. And I, I just like literally couldn't do it. It's a lot of work to take care of an infant and a toddler and everything. And I'm like, if I can't make it through the day taking care of myself, how in the world would I take care of another human being? That's, that is my thought process entirely. I think that's been the thought process for years. But it goes back to literally what Jennifer Aniston said, isn't it? Actually, you don't know what that woman or human you're talking to is going through. So actually, they don't know that. Actually, I've thought about it maybe 20 years ago. And I thought, do you know what? I need to concentrate on my own health. And I don't know whether I'd be able to manage it. And maybe that's where my my decision making has come from. So maybe I would like to adopt at a later date when I feel ready to do so. But again, someone asking you those questions, they're really personal. I always encourage a deeper conversation. And I pick, I love that picking at someone's brain and learning more about them when you when you do speak to them. But I do know that there are areas that are sensitive and more hurtful to others. And, you know, you know, figure it out before you dive straight into it. There's a way of talking, isn't there, Phoebes? You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a way of having those conversations with people when usually either they've brought them up themselves or they organically come up in conversation and you can kind of tell yeah. that that individual's really forthcoming with information about themselves. And then being a considerate and compassionate individual and ensuring those boundaries are in place, but making that person feel comfortable isn't it? And there's no judgment. I think that's the difference when you have these conversations about sensitive subjects. Yeah. And that's, I'd say that that is coming on leaps and bounds in the last, what, five, 10 years. 
in regards to communication and access to the media and support networks and community. To wrap us up, would there be anything at the stage you're at now at Phoebes in relation to your stomach and not necessarily being formally diagnosed? So you are effectively managing your symptoms, your nutrition intake, hydration, activity, what you're doing, what you're engaging with, your work, etc. yourself. What advice would you give everyone else in a similar situation? Focus on things that make you calm reducing your symptoms so things that make you happy and can keep you going because when there's this constant looming sort of chase for doctors chase for communications you're inducing even more stress on yourself so my focus has been getting to a level where I can feel balanced where I can communicate with health professionals other friends like Cass and staff on, on the phone who might have advice just to help me obviously not medical advice don't worry Cass I'm not putting that pressure on you <laughs> or that responsibility but uh, definitely forms of calm and sleep sleep and hydration yeah my naps used to save me so sleep and hydration and things that make you happy and calm and it's okay to step back to make yourself more comfortable as much as I've been really you know promoting stepping out of your comfort zone it's okay to take a beat and do things that make you feel calm and collected until you know you can get the next step get to the next step all of these things focus on your health it's like we all say isn't it sometimes you might be in bed all day on Saturday because you're knackered and you might not be able to eat what you want to eat. But actually on Sunday, you might have slept for 12 hours, 14 hours, feel really good. Your, your body and mind is feeling great. And then you could go out and have an awesome roast dinner with your family and friends. It's just not putting pressure on yourself. If you don't have those peaks to go with the troughs, it's not the end of the world. It's it's a passing feeling, you know, work towards more things that bring you joy, bring you dopamine, bring you endorphins. And to reduce the pressure, because I certainly felt the pressure to be better, to have the high points, to get out of a low point or whatever. It was very much, uh, you know, I created more issues for myself by stressing over where I was at the moment so those little steps and like focusing like I said hydration and sleeping and good communication keep talking to your friends keep talking to the people who you care about Phoebes you're right because even even if you're not communicating with your friends in the usual way you communicate I've done it this week I've been quite quiet this week for me I'm in relation to speaking to my closest friends because I'm processing some other stuff so I'm just a bit doing my own thing but I've messaged everyone to say really, really sorry I'm not myself this week. But it's nothing about you. I'm just, yeah. um, you know, and it, that's fine as well, isn't it? Remembering you're not the main character in everyone else's life. You're just the main character on your own. So put the focus on yourself and it's okay to step back. And you'll pick back up before you even know it, yeah, before you know. Absolutely. Love to have you on. It's been well, so nice to meet you. You're so, you have such good energy. You know, you just like sense people's energy. Oh, thanks. That's a compliment. That's a massive compliment for me. So it's, it's been lovely. Have a good day, babes. Yeah, Bye. you too. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. We have a lot of exciting interviews coming up. Definitely subscribe so you don't miss an episode and follow us on Instagram at pop to the loop podcast for a bit more content on a daily basis and some behind the scenes images. Yeah. Everything will be linked in the description so you can find everything there. Love you guys. Love you.